and beans, cultural worker bees of the lands. Hello! Welcome to the Wild Honey Collective, a podcast for cultural worker bees. I'm Amelia Morrison, and today we're in conversation with Emiliano Espinosa with NextGen North America, a project of the Global Eco Village Network focused on education and connecting young people to eco-villages as a way of exploring regenerative pathways to a sustainable future through community. In this conversation, we get into some very interesting angles on the idea of finding home together. Communities as social laboratories and playgrounds for collective imagination, eco-villages as experiential education opportunities, and challenging cultural ideas of self, success, and security. Enjoy this very last episode of season one of the podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul, a nonprofit that supports and amplifies the voices of edgewalkers through art that catalyzes change, laughter that brings us together, and soul awakening to the creative spark within. And before we begin, I just wanted to thank you once again for following along on this journey. We've done 18 episodes, it's been three months of starting out this podcast, and I have sincerely enjoyed it so much. This work has felt so purposeful and rewarding, And I'm excited to see it grow over our break between season one and two. It may look really different when we come back, and I'm excited for that. So thank you for being here. I wanted to say a special hello to the listeners in so many different countries who are tuning into this podcast. It's so amazing. Hello, friends in Germany, Iraq, India, the UK, El Salvador, Brazil, Denmark, Mexico, Canada, Ireland, Australia, and Belgium. Wow, there's a lot of you all over the globe, and that is very appropriate for this conversation about the Global Eco Village Network. And for my local honeybees out there, I've gotten so much feedback from all of you telling me how great it feels to have a podcast that is mapping the stories of people we all know and care for here and pointing me in the direction of other people in our community who can help co-create and cooperate in this storytelling which is truly where our wealth comes from so thank you so much please keep sharing your reflections with me about this work it is hands down my favorite thing about creating this show So, enjoy this episode. Mm, Thank you. Yes, I'm really excited to be here in the podcast and uh, talk about my experience and uh, share some valuable ideas and whatever I can share with uh, your audience. Well, I am just really excited to hear what you have to say. Would you like to start off by introducing yourself um, in your role with NextGena as well as just who you are and what is feeling alive for you right now? Sure. Um, so yeah, I contribute to NextGena. Uh, I've, I've been contributing for them 
for, for the organization for about uh, eight months now. Uh, I was introduced to Chloe, uh, who is the person that's managed uh, that was managing the the group. Uh, now I'm kind of taking that role, kind of coordinating the efforts. And Next Gen is basically an organization that is working to uh, bring eco villages and intentional communities to the light and to uh, especially for the young adults and the youth so that the, there's a voice so that youth can actually discover these uh, these spaces, these places that exist that are sometimes not in the mainstream culture as much as uh, other things. So we, we're trying to uh, spread the word and allow others to to find find them and to discover them and to, to, to learn about what eco-villages and intentional communities are in general. Yeah, great. And how about a little bit about who you are outside of that role or the more expansive definition of you? Okay, um, yeah, so I am... So my name is Emiliano Espinosa. I was born in, in Mexico City. Um, I'm 26. And I, I moved to the States, to the U.S. about eight years ago. And so I've been, I've been on a path. Well, I, I started college. I actually dropped out of college for two years. And because I, I discovered other things at that moment that were more important to me. So I took a break. And then went back to college after that in a different school. I actually studied at New College of Florida. And um, it was it was very interesting because I never ended up doing a specific uh, major. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laugh about it because it took me so long to, to finish school and, and I didn't even do a major in, in itself. I, I, did a, I did do a major called general studies. That's what I mean. Like it was nothing extremely specific um that's so, the path of an entrepreneur <laughs> yeah that's that's what it seems like i agree um i mean it's not like i was wasting my time i did a, a bunch of things throughout my college experience actually i um it took me a year with a friend of mine uh, we put together a conference called the social entrepreneurship conference and that was a deliberate thing back in 2019 um, at, at uh, it was it was at the school and we had about 140 people attend and that was the first time that that conference happened so it was it was a really great outcome and we were really um, proud of ourselves to to accomplish something like that mm. um, so so yeah that's something I did that is so wonderful and really amazing to have you bringing that experience into what you're doing now with NextGen North America, NextGena. Um, like you said, that NextGena is a global eco-village network that focuses specifically on connecting young people to the eco-village movement across North America, right? Yes, that's right. We, we, that's what we do. And we focus primarily in North America, like you said. But there is other uh, groups just like Next Jenna 
that are in Europe. Uh, they we have there's one in South America, there's one in Africa, and I think in Asia as well. So so there's it's a really big network, and every every let's say every location has its own group like us. Yeah. And this is really interesting. This is such an interesting topic. Um, I thought we could start by digging into this idea of what is an eco village. And like you said, there's these different groups at all over regions and continents of the world. And even within regions and groups of people, there are many definitions of what an eco village is. But According to the Global Eco Village Network, one of those definitions that really resonates for this organization is an eco village is an intentional or traditional community using local participatory processes to holistically integrate ecological, economic, social, and cultural dimensions of sustainability in order to regenerate social and natural environments. So can you start off by telling us a little bit about this idea of integrating ecological, economic, social, and cultural dimensions of sustainability and how that actually ends up coming into form through community? Sure. No, that's a, it's a very broad, um, deep question, actually. There, we could tackle it from every angle. Yeah. Uh, because every um every aspect you talked about is 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 unique and has its own challenges and yeah so anyways i can give you a little overview and broad sense of of um kind of answered your question overall so basically living living in an eco village or I, i'd like to so i'm going to define what eco village versus intentional community is and what's the difference um eco uh, the 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 movement let's put it that way of living in a community we could we could define that as living intentionally and by that i mean that you have an intention of why you're living in a community um and this intention could be a spiritual intention that everybody has that same spirituality ideas or uh ecological intention that you all interested in, in um, you know, taking care of the environment and living with the least carbon footprint, for example, or it could be a, you know, an ideological uh, intention or whatever it is, but it's an intention behind the community, and so people get together and live uh, under that, uh, those, uh, that context. Let's put it that way. So when we talk about eco villages. That's just one subset of intentional communities. And it's those that are interested in living a really um, clean, uh, not without a clean lifestyle without so much um, uh, pollution and trying to, to offset carbon footprint as much as possible. So just wanted to make that uh, clarification for you and for everybody. Yeah. That's such a good point. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so going back to the question, uh, when we talk about communities, yes, there's there's so much um, to consider. Like, you know, the the um, 
power dynamics, um, who who makes decisions in the community, how are decisions made, um, you know, how do you deal with issues that rise up in the community? Uh, what about the finances? You know, like how how is the community sustained? Where do people work? Uh, do do people share their money? Do people share their their uh, their their um, their cars? So some communities um, have more of a shared uh, idea, uh, and they uh, they share, for example, their cars. And a lot of those are um, referred to as co communes. It's more of a commune where you know everything's more shared. So that's another definition: commune. <laughs> <laughs> Which is embedded so, in the word community. <laughs> yeah. Well, communes have a, sometimes they have a bad rep because it sounds like, you know, it's a bunch of hippies. And I think that there, well, the word hippie, you know, we can go back to history and see where does it come from. And I don't think we, we need to do that right now, but basically, you know, uh, they were, they were looking to live a more simpler life and uh, more connected to nature. That's from my perspective, what a hippie would, I would call it. So a lot of times, yes, this, um, these places have that kind of people where they're trying to be more in touch with nature and they would seem like, like the word hippie and, and be described as that, but not all communities are hippies. You, you also have communities that are just, you know, higher, status or just have a lot of money and it's more of like a neighborhood kind of community style so it really depends on on the people that are running it that um it, that it makes all the difference by who's running in and the people that are living in there yeah yeah and the it seems like the kinds of communities that one could speak about that are either defining themselves as an eco-village or defining themselves as an intentional community are refined down by the global eco-village network by this idea of integrated sustainability is like a value that a value system that this particular network is looking for in order to connect people who are seeking a similar value system to be able to become pollinators of those values in the world by mm. connecting with each other. And of course, I love that because this podcast is inspired by pollinators. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really powerful model. Um, of course, the idea of communal living is nothing new, right? It's one of humanity's most ancient modes of living. But eco-villages can actually become more than just a choice that you make about where you want to live, but actually they can become a teaching model for specifically in this case, young people to be exposed to ideas about what it means to have meaningful relationships and what it means to have your relationships and values reflected in the space and the setup of how you're living, right? So that's kind of what Next Gen North America, Next Genna is trying to do from, from how I understand it. It's like, 
hey, this is a form of an experience where you can receive hospitality and you can go and um, live among a group of people who are united by a certain value system that we're referring to here as integrated sustainability. And I'm kind of getting this from NextGena's philosophy on, on their website. The definition of this term is encouraging a broader interpretation of what sustainability is and what is needed to achieve it, bringing together social elements, economic elements, environmental and cultural. So I think it's super fascinating that by offering the young people the opportunity to experience a way of living that reflects this value, that they can make choices that are more informed by, hey, there's more than one set of options for you. And that's really important in sort of a, a society where we're often not given that narrative that we can explore, we can visit different um, groups of people that may live in a, in a way that's completely different from us and, and just try things on to see how they fit our own value systems and to see what we might not have even considered. So one of the things that, that I've noticed is that many, um, well, while I was in college, I would tell my friends, hey, have you heard of eco-villages or communities like this? They, they were like, no, what is that? And so when I share what it is, they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I, I've never heard of it, but I've always wanted to live in some kind of community like that. And so they're so in awe about it. And so um, yeah, I think I think it's a really great opportunity for, for people to, to actually uh, try something new. And, you know, I've lived in, commun- in a community for two years when I was a kid, and I got a chance to, to you know, feel what it's like to, to be uh, around people and to, um, to feel the support uh, of others. So many times we live alone and we try to do things on our own and, you know, life is, is really heavy that way. I, uh, in, my, in my opinion, you know, living in community is much easier in that sense because, you know, everybody contributes to 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 the group and you you know it, it can be emotionally draining sometimes that's the other thing it, like it has its pros and it also has its cons because you know when you're living independently and i know i'm jumping around back and forth but um hope, hope it's making sense <laughs> yes keep going yeah so when uh when you live in a community you have to actually when you're living independent you don't have to worry about others and you know how the people feel or not nothing you just live on your own and you take care of yourself maybe live with a partner or whatever but when you're in a community there are going to be conflicts and issues with the community members that need to be resolved so a lot of times there is a bigger emotional um commitment and drainage emotional drainage that happens when you live in those spaces so like that's one of the things that that might be a little challenging but it's worth learning how to deal with it of course um so that's one of the things i would i would uh, bring up to people's awareness that 
you know, you will have to deal with conflict at some point during your experience in a community. Like you didn't like an attitude of someone and you can't just like block them off because you're going to see them over and over. Uh, so how do you deal with that? Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you about the good, th really great things like um, being able to, to learn a new skill in a community like this, you know, like there's, there are people that, you know, do your plumbing or, you know, gardening. And then you, if you live inside of one of these communities, you would say, Oh, I want to, I want to learn how to do this. So you become like an apprentice and you help at first. And then eventually you become responsible for something. And the way that we lived in that community back in the day, I was, I was 10, so I was not really in charge of it, but I, I learned about how to do things, is that you, um, it was, you, you were able to live there in exchange of doing certain things inside the community. So, you know, by like helping in the garden or cooking or washing dishes or uh, doing specific things. So that was, that was like the exchange system of living in the community. So every community is different. And, but that's a really cool place as a young adult to actually experience new, have new experiences, learn new skills, meet new people. Yes, I totally agree. And I also think that your point about young people in their college years, perhaps being unaware of intentional community living as viable options that they could come and visit and see how they feel and then maybe like further on down the line they can join as a as a member of those communities living in them for a matter of time um i think it's really interesting that at a time in life where a person has theoretically speaking so much to choose from about what they want to do with their lives um in some ways that's really complicated because it's a time in life where a person takes on a lot of debt but it's also a time in life where you get to kind of shape what you're learning about and the skills that you're building in the world and thinking about communities as a space of learning especially when those communities as intentional communities and eco-villages often are are intergenerational um I think that's just such a generative space and making it financially viable is part of the work that your network has started to do to address the problem that I mentioned of, you know, how do young people who are burdened with debt still get the opportunity to experience an alternative to the default mode of, you know, living independently Can you talk about the scholarship that you created as an organization last year and sort of the experience that the person who received that scholarship was able to have and some of the takeaways that they had? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So we at NextGena um, created a scholarship to, to help those those young, you, the youth, uh, young adults that would like to go to an eco-village, but they don't have the means to do so, or they simply 
you know, would, would uh, it'd be really helpful to have some extra resources to travel. And so um, the way we've done it, and we've only, uh, we've recently started this program. So it's, it's, it's a kind of new, but we've had uh, one experience already under our belt where, you know, um, a person, one, uh, a woman um, went to an eco village that where she actually discovered that eco village herself with using the, the search finder of the uh, GEN, the Global Eco Village Network uh, website. It's called gen.org. That's like the, that's like a website that's, that, that encompasses like the whole world and has, it's like a directory of eco of villages or uh, communities around the world. So she used that to find a, a, a place and she was the one that contacted the, the community. Is we had a few options, but none of those worked for her. So we said, I told her, listen, you, you find the eco village that you like and tell us which one it is. And then we'll finance the trip up to a certain amount. And she did that. So uh, long story short, she went for three weeks. And uh, in exchange of that, uh, we asked her to do a blog or a video or some kind of something to to showcase her experience. So actually we, we have that on our on our website at nextgena.org, I believe that's the, that's the URL. And um, uh, one of the takeaways from that experience is that she was very surprised to discover that, um, you know, how simple people live there. Um, like one of, one of the things she, she mentions is that um, it was, you know, all the time she was being supported by everybody and it, it was, it was in the middle of the woods. So in, in the nights it was very dark <laughs> there was no lights. And so she was very, <laughs> at some point she was very scared of, of uh, not locking, but they didn't lock the doors because they're not used to it. And she was used to locking because she's from New York. And so uh, it was like this transition from, you know, locking doors and having lights to being in the in in the dark in in the wood uh, with with the door unlocked so for her it was a huge uh, lesson and and some kind of completely outside of her realm of experience and no she she was very happy and and grateful to have had that opportunity and like she's looking to bring friends over now because she's made the connections in that in that place and she wants to bring a, a group of, of people there to experience it together so that was that was really great yeah and that's exactly the kind of pollination that you hope to see right because once she had made the initial connection then she's bringing others into that experience and also keeping the relationship with her hosts and like that's that's community on a decentralized scale, right? Like she didn't have to stay in that place, but the relationships are still growing. And mm -hmm. I did watch the video on the website. I recommend it to anyone who's interested in this. First of all, she's really funny. And like, there was a really, it was just like really interesting to see the footage that she incorporated. And there was like a break to drink water in the middle of the video and I it was just really cool there's an author that I really respect her name is Alexis Pauline Gums and she she writes all about lessons from 
different diverse kinds of communities, whether it's deep sea creatures or black feminists. She's looking at different models for societies, basically, outside of our own species that we can learn from to be in relationship in the kinds of ways that we need to be. And she, her book is called Undrowned, and the subtitle is, I believe, Lessons from Deep Sea Creatures and Black Feminists. Um, but her, one thing that she says is that we're not actually individuals, but that's kind of the way that we've been taught to think of ourselves. And I think a lot of us have heard others speak about this culture of individualism that we have in North America um, and in that has kind of come to us across the world through the process of colonization partially. And like a lot of other things that are proposed as changes to the status quo, we are, it is presented to us as a benefit. Like it's going to be easier you won't have to always think about other people's needs. You can just take care of yourself, right? But mm. there's like such a loss involved in that where we like don't have connection in relationship. And I think a lot of us got to experience that in ways that we can't really compare to other times in our life during the pandemic, Right. Mm -hmm. Like everybody on a collective level was experiencing isolation and also like discovering new forms of connection. But we had to adapt. And one thing that she says is we're not actually individuals because we're always in contact if we choose to draw from those connections with those who have come before us, with our ancestors and with those who share our values, essentially. And her argument, which you can agree or disagree, but her argument is um, that we're actually weaker when we are individuals and when we think of ourselves as individuals, because then we become kind of shrunken down to a unit that can be extracted from versus when we are collective, when we are a collective we have the power to hold some of the, some of the immense problems that we see in the world because it's not just on our shoulders. And we also have the strength to draw from more than just our own internal dialogue and our own energy levels to experience entertainment, to experience the joy of each other's company, to experience the intrigue of someone else's point of view all of these things. And I just think that like the imagination and um, play that a lot of people who choose to form intentional or a lot of people who choose to form eco villages or intentional communities, they exhibit that kind of like playful experimenting with um, our established notions of what it means to make a life and they're doing that in deep relationship however they choose to make that look but in my own experience I've just seen so much innovation and so much um play with like 
what could we make energy systems look like? Like maybe we could wash our clothes with a bicycle powered washing machine (laughs) where the bicycle (laughs) wheels like turn the tub of the washing machine. Or maybe we could like capture our water and use that to water our plants. Or maybe we could um, paint everything in bright colors. There are so many examples that I can think of in these communities where people are um, released from a certain like form of Mm -hmm. what a community needs to look like. And that like freedom actually fosters a lot of innovation, I think. And it's also just a product of the people who are there. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one one thing that that that's reminding me of is that many times these these communities are seen as um, I don't know if this is the name, but they're like lab laboratories, like social laboratories, where you actually get to experience what it's. Uh, they can become that if 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 we were to see them as that as a place where. You know, there's so many variables, but it's it's in a container. It's such a it, there's so many variables to understand why a community works or doesn't work. But since they are each unique, they're containers, and then you can start to understand, you know, different options, different possibilities that can could be applied at a bigger scale, at, in in a you know in a in a small town or in a in a uh, in a city. Or in the country itself, of course, that that that's a bigger scale. But um, but each community is um, like a an experiment, basically. That's that's what I could call it. Like, and they're they're all unique. So you, we can learn so much from each community. They're all unique. That's that's the beauty of it. Like if you go to a place in in Europe, it's gonna be very different than a place in South America. Or, or a place in uh, California than a place in in uh, in Florida, right? Or New York. So that that um, looping what you said, absolutely. There's there's so much to learn, and they're all uh, unique in their own uh, spaces and ways. I love the way you put that, like social laboratories. I was reading about a community in Barcelona in Spain. Mm -hmm. Um, They're all about sustainable architecture and they're called Valdura. And they are, they're, they actually use the word like a social laboratory um, that is all about self-sufficient habitat research. And so they're located in, the heart of the metropolitan area of Barcelona in this natural park, Coserola Natural Park. And they focus on creating inventive, experimental ways of producing energy, food, and things. And students can come there and stay as residents and learn how to essentially craft different types of Um, buildings for shelter or there's also yeah they do other things but that's kind of the main one is like like creative natural building techniques and there's lots of different techniques that 
kind of draw on the science of thermodynamics and also like sustainable harvesting of wood and and how a person can create shelter with just a little bit of knowledge and training. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's it's just really cool because housing is such a crucial need for so many of us and so many people are, you know, spending nearly a third of their income on costs of housing like being oh yeah being defined as like cost burden for housing is is spending up to one third of your earnings to pay for housing and a lot of people are close to that point or they're at that point so being able to share those skills is one really powerful way that people can kind of find alternatives and also share those resources with others who are in need mm-hmm. oh yeah no for sure i think well and like you like you mentioned this place i mean there's there's like i feel like every every community has its own skills on how to build differently so yeah i i actually also can give you an example in mexico i went I went to a community that in Mexico City, um, in the in the middle, I think it's Colonia Roma, where they're at. They have this different building techniques, of course, and they have uh, ways to to capture water from the rain. Um, like I think we talked about this on on our first call, and so I think every community has its own um, inventions, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's so important for young people who are in a position where they're still in the process of trying to establish their social and financial foundation, especially because a lot of young people are in positions, especially after the pandemic, but even before that, where they feel so much pressure to establish themselves financially and often at the cost of um, taking care of other needs in their lives, or even just at the cost of like giving themselves the time to explore and find out what is really out there in the world for them. I think a lot of young people feel vulnerable and feel like the world hasn't given them a lot of good options, but there's a lot of pressure to kind of establish themselves, get into that first like stable career and then kind of figure it out from there. But getting over that hump is a big obstacle and it's very scary for a lot of young people like coming out of universities that I talk to. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I definitely felt that need of to establish myself and just get something solid it was it it was clear that i wanted to to build some kind of security first and at the same time develop you know my intentions of building a business uh simultaneous yeah just like going to nowhere it was it was a hard decision like going to the middle of in in a community for me at that moment was like uh i don't know if i want to do it um but on the other hand 
that's an option. So there's those two options. Everybody can decide which one which one to 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 take. And if one doesn't work, you just just try the other one. Yes, and I think people who or one thing that eco villages have to offer is that you get to live that question of what is out there in the world for me. Mm-hmm. How do I want to structure my life from here? When you're at a pivotal point in your in your life so far where the decisions that you make now feel really monumental and like the, that they'll shape the next larger chunks of your life. Mm. And even though that's not necessarily true, that's the way that a lot of people treat their like young adult years. So I mm. think it's one way that people can be inspired by the energy and the experiments of other people, the knowledge that people bring Mm. to communities that encourage experimentation and um, trying to build things physically and also socially trying to build relationships and trying to build spiritual and creative expression, but also Mm. like building food systems, building shelter, energy systems, new systems of decision making. So I think it is like a different way of looking at what's valuable for me in how I invest this energy and this time in my life. Mm. So uh, like if you were to, well, I mean, you're still in college, right? From my own. No, I work at a college, but I graduated oh, no. in 2018. Right. Okay. <laughs> that I would like, since you were in cotton the college right now is like maybe she's in college still (laughs) okay so when you graduated if you if you could still have that opportunity of deciding to go to an eco village or just go to work what would be what would be what would be going through your mind basically well it's funny because that's exactly what was going through my mind i was studying geography which is a social science in the discipline we studied a lot about ecology we studied a lot about urban planning and what sustainable cities could look like we studied like conflict and culture and all of these things so it's really like a liberal arts discipline and it's just about learning about the world it's not necessarily a career track kind of field although there are parts of it that didn't really interest me where Uh you could go in that direction and so I had a lot of kind of um, angst and dilemma about like well there's nothing there doesn't seem to be any kind of field that would actually pay me a living wage to kind of (laughs) do like the activism and the advocacy work. I wanted to do environmental justice advocacy in some way. And I was looking around in job sites and just felt that the search terms and the questions that I was seeking were not showing up they weren't returning results at all and it just seemed like there wasn't any kind of space that seemed viable and then around spring break I realized that essentially I had been volunteering for four years at a kind of eco village it's really like a living laboratory permaculture demonstration 
hub. It's like it, it's embodying a lot of the principles that we're talking about here. It's called Vine and Fig. Mm-hmm. And it's in Harrisonburg where I went to school and where I live now. And I decided that the relationships that I was seeking, the knowledge that I was seeking, the advocacy and the lifestyle that I was seeking were all right there. And so I decided to take a year long internship and live there, be part of the staff, like really dive in to this community. And I'm so glad that I made that decision because (laughs) I learned so much and I met so many amazing people who just like completely expanded my idea of what was possible for me and for us collectively to be in the world. Wow. So I think you, you're a perfect example of what it would look like, (laughs) what it could look like. I feel like between you and you, my experience and your experience, we could, we, we have a good summary. Yeah. I think that's such an important story for us to be telling so, Emiliano, my last question for you is about entrepreneurship in this context of um, a value system of sustainability or a value system of community. Because a lot of the questions that people have about the viability of living communally or the viability of even um, prioritizing values of ecological health and all of that they come down to what we think of Mm -hmm. as the economy and like what what we can can then secure for us you know like how we turn the earth into things so that we can you know meet our needs Mm -hmm. but I'm curious about your experience of like what kind of opportunities the kind of creative thinking and relationship building that entrepreneurship encourages can open for a person and for communities to explore creative experimentation about what life can look like. Hmm. Great question. Um, it's, it's, it's so interesting because I mean, there's so there's so many ways to look at entrepreneurship. Um, you know, people could look at it from entrepreneurship being more of a exploitative, exploitative uh, activity, right? Where you know you're you're taking advantage of others, or you're you know exploiting the earth and taking resources. And, you know, that's one way of looking at it. And then, you know, of course, the, the word profit <clears throat> um, has a lot of negative connotation as well. I, I've had a big challenge uh, assimilating that word and being able to, you know, create my own personal meaning behind entrepreneurship and finding something that's common ground for me and that I can actually identify with. And I, I'm happy to share it where... Um, for me, entrepreneurship has become a, a concept where, you know, anybody is capable of an idea and actually making it real. That's, that's how I see 
I see. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because everybody has an idea. Everybody wants to make something happen. It's just, are you, do you have the skills and do you have the passion, the, um, the drive to make, to do it? And if you don't, then it's okay because you can learn and you can, you know, work with others to make, making it happen. It's, it's, it's practice basically. And I think, uh, it's almost like a sport. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, thank you again so much for coming on as a guest, and we hope to connect in the future. Thank you, Amelia. We'll talk soon, and let me know when that's up there. I'd love to hear it. Well, my friends, that is a wrap on season one. Thank you for being here for a season full of gems. I will be back at it in May with new episodes as well as community events kicking back off, so please join me there. During this rest and digest break for March and April, I will be working on reflecting back on what we created together this season and how we can grow collectively as we enter the upcoming new season. At this point, I can only speculate what's coming in season two. Growth is a process with its own timeline, but my hope is to dive more deeply into healing and craft arts that amplify the core theme of this podcast, which is to pollinate ideas about wildness in self, health, and wealth, and alchemize those ideas into collective action that strengthens and enlivens us all. So join me there when we get there. And until then, my wild honeys, keep creating.